You're listening to the Marginally Geeky Show, the Epically Geeky Book Club. Greetings and welcome to the Marginally Geeky Show. I'm your host for the evening, Eugene Stevens. Uh, we've got our whole cast back tonight, including Jen, Sean, Chris, and Ray. How are y'all doing? I'm awake. Spectacular. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this is uh, yeah. This is our last book review of 2020 um, because of everything that was going on. A uh, little out of sequence here, but it's fine. Um, we I don't know if I actually ever announced it. We we mentioned on the previous episode that we were thinking about doing something kind of short, and I proposed a classic being uh, tonight's episode, which I'm sure if you've read the title, you know that we are discussing uh, War of the Worlds by H.G. Wells. Um, this is definitely considered a classic because a lot of the stuff, even though it is not the first science fiction book, um, it really does set up a lot of the tropes that carry, you know, forward in a lot of other sci-fi. Um, so I was just going to, I'm going to just jump in with that. Um, I've heard people, uh, my wife was one of them, but I've heard people say that, Sometimes when you miss the the movie that kind of started or something that started a bunch of other stuff, it's kind of interesting to see it because it's not really new or spectacular. It's it's like, oh, so that's where that came from. The example I'm getting around to is Star Wars. Uh, My wife had not seen Star Wars until uh, we started dating. And then it's like and I've heard other people mention this who had not seen Star Wars like when they were young. And, you know, they've already, you know read watched whatever a lot of sci-fi and they're like oh okay well i see where i see where these people have pulled from star wars or whatever so Mm. it's not as grand or whatever so that being said that's kind of what war of the worlds was it's like well there's a lot of tropes in here that are really are really played out and but if you think about you're like this may have been like the start of where they got some of those material (laughs) exactly so with that being said um ray (laughs) <laughs> Quick thoughts. What what what, were, what what was your impression of reading the book? Uh, two things. Two things that I took away from this. One is you got to be in the right mood. <laughs> okay. And two is this is a book to read, not to listen to. Really? Okay. Uh, Chris, unfortunately, is just here for moral support tonight. So uh, <laughs> you did say you listened to what, like five minutes of it or whatever? I did. So okay. I just yeah. finished Owner Share and was on Monday. Uh-huh. And so I was trying to like, okay, it's only six hours. It's totally fine. I can do it. And then I'm like, I can't listen to any more science fiction right now. I've been listening to science fiction for like six months now. I can't. <laughs> gotcha. I need a break. Uh, Sean, thoughts? Um, like, so I've. I read this a long time ago. Uh, I read it a couple times, and then I this was the first time I think I've listened to it, the actual book. Mm-hmm. I listen to the radio broadcast all the time. Um, right. But, yeah, it had been a while, and then listening to this book, you like it's over 100 years old, so the language it can be hard to get around. Um when it was written, uh, Britain was like king of the world. So it's based in Britain as opposed to the radio broadcast, which is based in the U.S. So I had a really hard time. It's stupid, but I had a hard time getting around 
the names and the locations of where things were happening. Mm-hmm. And that was, that annoyed me. I found when I was listening to it, like, like he's talking about like going down a road to some other town. Like, how far is that? What the hell? <laughs> so, and See, it, it was all the things, like there's a lot of great things in the book, but for some reason I got hung up on the locations and it annoyed the crap out of me. So, but uh, everyone has to read this book at some point, especially if you're into science fiction. You have to. It, yeah, it's one of those things. That everything kind of is based off of it. Yeah. Jen, what about you? Okay, so I am pretty sure I read this back in the day, like you guys, but I could not get through it this time. Like, I got through 40 pages or so, and I was like, like Ray said, I you have to be in the right mindset for it, and I could not get there. It was just too slow moving. The language wasn't doing it for me. The story was not progressing and I just kind of gave up. So I did not finish because I couldn't, I couldn't do it. Um, Oh, sorry. Yeah. That's one of the problems with reading the classics um, is some of them are kind of translate and can be, can kind of be timeless, but I find most things that they, people classify as a classic is like, no, this is very much of the time in which it was written. Um, and it is. So let's let's start with that. By the way, so uh, – and I didn't get to this. The first time I ever read this book was in, was in the fourth grade. Um, this is the book that I – like introduced me to the idea that, wow, books could actually be kind of cool and interesting because up to that point, I'm reading stuff that honestly I didn't care anything about. And then all of a sudden it's like – Ooh, this is this is about like aliens coming and stuff. And even though, yeah, it was it's, you know, everyone talks weird and it's really set in old times or whatever. It's like, man, man, that's a that's a cool idea. What would what would what would people way back when have dealt with, you know, when it came to aliens? So um, go so I, I have a question then. Yes. Which because there was a couple of audiobooks that we had a choice of. Which one did you download and which one did you listen to? Uh, give me half a second here. Um. The one that I downloaded was a free version. Um, we didn't have that option. Okay. Yeah, I got the free one. Oh, did you? I didn't see a free one. I didn't but I was reading one. it. The one that I, I listened to was uh, narrated by Simon Vance. And it was a free it was a free download on Audible, so. So the one we listened to was by Penguin and uh, David Harewood. Uh, he's an acclaimed actor apparently and he narrated it and almost put me to sleep when I was driving the car a few times (laughs) oh no Uh, so maybe I mean granted it's not I wouldn't say this was definitely the best voice acting but it wasn't it wasn't bad he was energetic when he needed to be and everything else so maybe maybe that was part of the problem I didn't mind it like so when he got into his characters and everything that was all good like I, I enjoyed that part of it Mm-hmm. But just his his what his narration of it was very I think it was suitable for the book, but I couldn't do it driving like it was. <laughs> no, I, I understand. Was out, so anyway. well, let's start off with the first thing that, that Sean brought up. Um, the book was written. Actually, the book was the stories was serialized in uh, 1897. And it was actually combined and published in uh, 1898. Um so yeah, it is definitely it's well over a hundred years old, and you're right. It is very much 
you know, uh, Great Britain is the center and pretty much the entirety of the universe. Like, it's like, okay, yes, there's there's some jaunty fellows across the lake. <laughs> but um, other than that, I mean, that was one of the things that, that, that got me is the fact that um, there were 12 or 10 shots. We'll, we'll talk about the shots here in a second. There were 10 shots from Mars towards Earth. And they start counting them off, and I'm like, wow, like, so so y'all pretty much just focused on shooting all of your army <laughs> at Great Britain, huh? Okay? That's what I was no, thinking. They all no landed on that tiny that little port, island. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was interesting to me because I'm just like, you know, of, of course, a more modern story. Let's, let's take it like Independence Day. That was one of the things was, you know, the mm-hmm. ship's you know, covered the entire planet and, you know, spread out or whatever, but it's very much like, Oh, it was shot. Number five is landed shot. Number six. And I'm just like, so yeah. were y'all just like, we're going to start here and move out or like what's yeah. going on. Um, but yeah, that was, that was one of the things that was interesting to me. Um, but this did, and, and I, I talked about this in the beginning, this did standardize, standardize a lot of science fiction. Um, and it's interesting because H.G. Uh, Wells was a science teacher at one point, which uh, makes sense as to – granted, I mean a lot of the stuff that he proposes is, uh, is, is just factually not correct. You know, we have, we have found out through science up to this point, but he comes at it as a very – at that time, very scientific – uh, uh, you know, is very scientific viewpoint. He's like, you know, hey, this is this is how they breathe, and he goes into all of that information. Whereas, you know, some people would have just glossed over, it, just like, well, they're aliens and they look different. And they're at one point he's describing their anatomy, and that was one of the things that really, you know, hooked me as a kid because I was like, wow, like that's the type of stuff that I would have wanted to know instead of just kind of glossing, oh, well, they've got five arms or whatever, and and this, that, and the other. So, um. Anything in particular anyone want to start off with? Just to to go along with the whole uh, them being in England part, I actually kind of enjoyed that part because uh, Chris and I were in London last year. And so when they were talking about Westminster and they were talking about all these different locations, I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool because I remember roughly where that was. And they're talking about, you know, the river and all that stuff. Um, and then getting to the south coast and heading off to Paris, you know, um, not Paris, but uh, France and stuff like that. I was like, okay, I kind of have an idea where they are. That's kind of cool. Uh, so that I, I didn't mind as much, but there's definitely some things I didn't enjoy. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> let's go let's on. Speaking of the locations, like where I can't remember what what county was he in? Suffolk. Suffolk County. So he basically wrote that book, like that initial area where they landed and stuff like that, that was only actually a few country miles from his house. Like it's a real place. So that he wrote about the area and then he joked about killing off all of his annoying neighbors. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't put that together thing at that point. So, but uh, yeah, I do remember reading something about that, that yeah, he was uh, someone had asked him about the story or whatever. And yeah, I'm just, killing off all my neighbors kind of thing. <laughs> that's hilarious i didn't even think about that because i mean that's what stephen king does granted some of his books are based on other other locations but most everything happens like right around where he actually lives like you know they're made up towns but they're 
it's like, oh yeah, this is obviously based on this town or, or this, that, and the other. So I never thought about that. I wonder, I wonder how his neighbors feel about it. <laughs> so so like, I have an observation in yeah. the very short uh, amount that I did read, the narrator seemed kind of self-absorbed and um, moody. Like his moods went from, you know, all over the place. Did he kind of stay that way the whole book? Because I even read this, um, this website had a recap and I didn't get all the way through it, but from what I saw, it kind of, it kind of, well, I tried to get through the recap, but then I, I ran out of time at work. So, <laughs> but I was like, like they kept making fun of his mood swings and how he would go from being terrified to like, Oh, everything's fine. And we're just going to take our time getting here and there. And I don't know. He does kind of swing back and forth a little bit here and there, depending on, on what the situation is. Um, and now that you mention it, he seemed erratic. That was just uh, my observation. I'll be he, honest. I was probably, I'd be probably, probably be pretty erratic if aliens landed here as well. Oh well, yeah, but yeah. yes. Well, but one it of the was first things. But you gotta remember, it takes place over several weeks. Yeah. So, yeah, like he's he's gonna have highs and lows, and I think uh, Wells tried capturing that in the story. Uh, and it really depended on who he was with too. Like he was with the curate, which eventually like drove him nuts. And then <laughs> yeah. He yeah. Was with the artillery guy who was bat crap crazy too. And yeah. Yep. And I would definitely want to touch on their ideas because that's, that's another, but you know what? We'll go ahead and, we'll just go ahead and jump on that. So uh, at one point in the book, it, for what reason, if you're listening to this and have not read the book, the gist of the story is, um, unbeknownst to us there is life on mars and over the course of um i think over a little over a week every night uh they observe a large uh shot or what looks like an explosion on the surface of mars and within a few days all of a sudden these giant cylinders start landing uh every 12 or every 24 hours um on Earth, and it's a giant cylinder, so they go up and check it out, and the end of it starts to slowly unscrew, and then whenever it does, there's an alien that's basically, it's like a four-foot round mass that's got some tentacles, um, it's got a beak and eyes, nope. yeah, and it's not really able to move, and he did, does bring up the fact that it cannot move very well because our, our gravity is, is much higher than that of Mars. Um yes. And so they're like, well, they can't even get out of the pit. And they hear them building. And this was what was interesting to me. They're just like, oh, they're building something. We're just going to let them build or whatever yeah, for several we'll, days. Yeah, we'll just leave them to their devices. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and they end up building these giant um, – they're on tripods. They're, it's, it's a yeah. giant walking machine. And it's got two weapons in particular. And the first one I want to bring up is uh, the laser weapon. and not I'm sorry, the heat ray. <laughs> which is the way he defines it this that's a laser, laser. like yep. and uh lasers were not really invented until about 1957 so like he's he's definitely pulling ideas that are kind of bubbling around at this time but not you know it's just it's very much you know uh what are some hypotheses that are, are running around and taking that and seeing it into the future uh which is a common thing in science fiction is i mean i can't tell you how many people 
um, you know, have said I, the reason I've got into um, whether it be NASA or SpaceX is because they watched Star Wars and Star Trek. Like it's that, you know, they wanted to see that future come to fruition. Yeah. So, you know, that was one of the things that I really thought was interesting. I was like, well, you know, he's describing it. I was like, well, that's obviously a laser. I'm like, well, when was that about? And I'm like, he forecast this well, <laughs> you know, 60, 70 some odd years ahead of, of schedule, which is actually really, really cool. Um, and then it has another weapon. And anyway, so the, the, the aliens proceed to, um, uh, basically just start stomping and, and, uh, rolling over what defenses they can throw up. They're throwing, they're shooting giant cannons and stuff at them, but, um, what few hits they get, it's mostly like, well, it was pure luck that y'all, that we knocked out even one of these things. Um, and then they have, along with the laser weapon that's burning everything up, they also have another weapon that shoots a, thick gas that basically kills everything that it touches yeah that one confused me <laughs> the, the black smoke the black, black smoke vapor. yes the black, the, he kept changing the word of it was vapor and then it was smoke and it was i'm like those are different things <laughs> <laughs> so um anyway well, so but news got like he he predicted gas attacks they yeah that, that yeah world War one so two for yep. two. <laughs> yep. So it uh, and then at the end and then of course near the very end, um, they were like they've they figured out they're working on a flying machine and they're like what and yeah. <laughs> that was uh, <laughs> so it was really interesting. I like I said I loved seeing how he took ideas and and in this case he made it you know alien uh, technology but you know using some of these things that. We're just now starting kind of to get kicked around as ideas for possible technologies and seeing them, you know, come to fruition. So um, but let's talk about the and, and then the course of the story, it, it kind of it jumps back and forth between him and his brother's, you know, account of what's going on. Um, but he meets up with a couple of different characters and the one guy he meets up with um, is he's in shock, of course, and he just keeps going on about like how how and why are these things around? What have we done to anger God? Um, and this is yet another, like a big tent pole when it comes to science fiction is, is, well, let's, let's take on religion and we'll talk about how this, this, you know, works into the realm of science, uh, science fiction. So, which I, you know, I, I, I liked, you know, it's interesting. You know, he, the guy ends up getting killed because, it's it's almost like he's proposing the idea and but it's almost like he's proposing the idea that the old style of religion is um it's just going to get everyone killed because that's what the that's what the guy was doing he's 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 being too loud they're stuck in a house that's right next to the aliens and they're trying they're trying to be quiet um but he specifically says he eats constantly and and drinks and he won't you know he he's being very he he's pulling in all these resources for himself and he's not thinking ahead and he's being loud and he's specifically, you know, crying out and drawing attention to himself and the aliens end up getting him. So, but the main character after does pray knocks, several times after yeah. he knocks him out, after he <laughs> knocks him out. Yeah. Um, but he does pray several times. So he does, he does believe in God. Um, and, you know, not not to be one of those people that re- read too much stuff and, you know, read too much into a story or whatever, but it's very much like, yeah, hey, listen, the old way that we used to celebrate God, maybe maybe it's going to get everyone killed. Maybe 
maybe we should be a little more forward thinking. Um, and then speaking of forward thinking, the, uh, like Sean said, he meets up with a guy that was um, uh, an artillery gunner, right? I think at the beginning. Yeah. Yep. He meets up with him, and then we get this this idea. He's he's talking about. He's like, oh well, I know how we're going to survive, and he starts going on this uh, elaborate idea of how uh, the people who are hardworking. The lower class people are the ones who are actually going to survive because they're going to be able to be kind of like vermin and, you know, skitter about and everything else. And the upper class people are just going to be fat pets and not worth anything. And, you know, just go ahead and kill them off at this point because they're not going to be any good for humanity. And it's going to be the the lower working class people are going to be the ones that are going to save us. Uh, you know, not saying anything on social norms, I'm sure, at that time. <laughs> So hitting on that point, the um, you really have to reflect on the time period that H.G. Wells grew up in. And when he was writing the story, it was class before individuality. Mm-hmm. So this artillery expert, this was a big concept of him basically saying, like, the strong will survive. And that was the other the Darwinism in. Yeah. In. Um, society now darwinism was never meant to do like be brought into like societal genres and stuff like that it was strictly physical stuff but yeah a lot of people take it into social norms and wells really did a good job of bringing those aspects into the story through this artillery gunner and you have to listen to it or read it a few times to get all that and kind of know what the society was like back then to really appreciate like he's he's really sticking his neck out there um he could alienate a lot of his own readers because of it so but it was a and the way he like he at the beginning when this artillery expert is explaining how things are going to be in like future generations, like the strong will survive kind of thing and get rid of all the fat piggies and stuff like that and become like rats and stuff. The way he, he embraces that right off the bat, like the, the, and you never find out who the, what this guy's name is either. No his brother. You never find out. So the, the writer, he, fully accepts and gets excited with this guy when he first hears the story but after a while yeah he starts realizing hey this this isn't gonna really work and then he sees how lazy this guy is and stuff like that and starts changing his mind but that was i think that was a really critical point in the story just that little section yeah i looked up he actually um his mentor was actually a big Darwinism uh, yeah. fan. So yeah, it, it make it, and I forgot to put that in my notes, but yeah, that totally makes sense as to why we see it, you know, displayed so heavily. And it is portrayed very positively at first, the first, what, couple of days he's, he's like, well, this guy may actually have a good vibe on what, the, on how things are going to go. And then, like you said, after a while he's looking and he's like, well, yeah, his plan's not really, <laughs> there's a lot of holes in this plane. And then, like you said, he's like, He's he's lazy. He does want to, you know, just kind of hang out a lot. And he's like, you know, you're talking about being one of the strong people and yeah, you sure take a lot of breaks. Like 
six hours or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> so I will say, like, if I when I go to tackle this book again, and, and I'm going to, <laughs> I I'm with Sean in the way of I want a map because they're you know yeah. I really want to figure out where everything is, uh, and then I'm gonna have a notepad, and I'm gonna have the book in hand. <laughs> that's that's how I'm gonna change reading this one because uh, I've I, glo- I glossed over on some of this stuff and mm-hmm. um, yeah there was just there was moments that I really tried to get in the book I just I, language I think is what the barrier was for me I just I couldn't break it that so well I was going to try to watch the 57 version of the movie um i think i've seen bits and pieces of it like a long time ago but i don't honestly don't remember um i just have not had a chance to do that i was not going to rewatch. this is one of the few steven spielberg movies that i did not like <laughs> yeah i didn't and mind do you what see tim robbins die <laughs> I just, there's something about it, and I don't know. Maybe I was expecting something different. I think now that I'm a little older, maybe I should try giving it another shot and giving it in the idea of, well, this doesn't have to be the exact book. It has, it, it can be in interpretation of it. And as long as it's got the bones there of the original, maybe it will be fine. So I, I, I kind of do want to go back and rewatch it, but I specifically wanted to see what they would do in, in a 50s, uh, in the, you know, in the 50s as to spaceships and stuff. But how cool would it be to have either a Netflix or an HBO series based on this book and set it in the original time period as well? Oh, I think that would be awesome. I think well, that would be really BBC well done. BBC has a series right now uh, for the world. Uh, it's, it's literally it just started airing. What is it? Months ago, BBC I think has a British one. Just started. It's like a three episode. I haven't watched it yet. Um, but there's and that's another thing. There's a lot of TV series and movies that have been based off of uh, this book because it's been out for so long and it's like a classic science fiction. I remember watching an old uh, Canadian TV series, War of the Worlds. It was produced in like 1988, lasted three seasons, and it. I kind of I used to watch it all the time, and I'm trying to remember it, but it barely got by the censors because it was like pretty gruesome like mm-hmm. to kill the aliens like you had to push out their eyeballs kind of thing and then they dissolved oh yeah it was Jeez. that's a canadian show yeah this is canadian. yeah it sounds about right no mr dress up here. <laughs> holy crap um if it airs after nine it's all free game <laughs> and then they bleed maple syrup it based it off of the original broadcast which they took as real and then, but instead of the aliens dying, they just went into a dormant state, and then they were reawakened by like terrorists, like they something to do with the radiation staves off the bacteria kind of thing, and they take over bodies, and it was it's pretty gritty TV series, and yeah, it lasted Jeez. three seasons. Hmm. So, but there's been lots of TV series, lots of movies. But I tell you, the the best is the radio broadcast. You can listen yes, it to is. it for free on like Wikipedia. It, it it's right there, and it's only an hour long. I love <laughs> listening to it every Halloween. It's great. So. Yeah, a lot of people listen to it. Um, I don't know if the college station still broadcast it, but there was a time period there for how ha- almost on Halloween every year. That's what they would do is they they would rebroadcast it. Uh, and of course, we're talking about the 
um, when Orson Welles did a, a interpretation of it and uh, did a live broadcast and quite literally a lot of people thought it was real and thought mm-hmm. we were being invaded. <laughs> so, yeah, there, that, oh, that caused pandemonium. <laughs> it was... <laughs> Well done. Yeah. <laughs> That's like literally if you if you take any kind of a media class, like everyone learns about that because that was like the first example of listen, like you know, everyone jokes about, you know, media and everything else, but it, you know, given the right given the right temperament and the and and you know, the the right story and done the right way, like it can it can have a huge impact on people. It's funny, um one of the things that's currently going on right now is uh, the British government. Someone in the British government is trying to get Netflix to put a a warning on the beginning of the Crown to say, oh, "Hey, oh yeah, this is not a." Documentary. And yeah. to Netflix's credit, they've come back and said, "Yeah, our our viewers are smart enough to know that if we don't say it's a documentary, they're not taking it as such." So, how about you give people a little credit? When I'm like, "Good for you, Netflix." Yeah. Well, yeah, it's because there's real life uh, events that happen throughout it that I guess it does maybe, not, yeah. maybe people yeah. would think yeah. that it was real, but no, it's not real. If I remember correctly, it's it's because the office he works for, whoever held that position in the in the show, like called the queen a pig or whatever, and he's just like, yeah, that never happened. We want to make sure that never happened. It's it's all fictional. And he's just like the queen a pig. Oh my God! You're like, yeah, well, we got it. Absolutely we did. They, how did they know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't give them people too much credit. I don't know that people are that smart to. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm very uh, jaded, though. That's that's true. Um, <laughs> a couple of quick things. So, uh, the space travel. Now, <laughs> he got lasers right. He got chemical warfare right. Um, and yeah, the ending of the book. They tried it that way. <laughs> yes. So, um, like I said in the beginning, the the way the locomotion for getting uh, the Martians to Earth is to literally put them in a giant gun and shoot a bullet, basically, that hits Earth. Number one, excellent trajectory. Uh, <laughs> number two. Yeah. When he's explaining the the crater that it creates, I'm just like, yeah, if you really shot something like that and that size of a thing actually like hit like it would have only taken one and britain would have been gone like <laughs> or at least half would have just, exactly just the world. yeah the and the alien inside of it everything yeah, would everything be would just be toast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah uh so i thought that was funny um and of course you know we, we've seen that there's the you know the, the the old stop motion the the guy the guy's getting or i think it was no, wait a minute. It was it was a guy getting into like a giant bullet and it gets loaded into a gun and there's dancing people or whatever and then like you see the moon and it like, yeah, um, you know so that that's been carried forth you know a lot in, you know ideologies of how would you get, um, ships. But I mean at, at this point I mean, flight's not like a thing. So like, you know, yeah. let alone hey we're gonna get in a ship that's going to travel to another planet. So <laughs> yeah. How do we get stuff from here to there really quickly? Oh, gun. And, you know, if there was a parachute on that, man, uh, I mean, it's not far off from the when the moon landing <laughs> thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I like course- how he got that so far off, and yet he got, um, like, uh, artificial muscles. 
Right. Yes. On that the, was another thing. Yeah. That was like, holy crap, good thinking. But yeah, because that, that's like we don't even have that quite. Like we're just yeah. now starting to scratch that. So. Yeah. Um, and but in the end, um, um, and this is what blew my mind as a kid was, you know, reading this book. Well, how the book's almost over. How how are they are they gonna win? Are 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 humans gonna survive or not? And he stumbles upon the aliens that are being eaten by birds because they've all died from disease. Um, which, you know, is a, another, uh, uh, science, fi- science fiction trope. That's, you know, uh, it, it's not the big things that'll get you. It's the little ones. So, uh, which is very pertinent for 2020, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, overall, I, I enjoyed the book. Like I said, I don't think I haven't read it in, in a long time, but I do, I did enjoy it. And like you, Sean, I've listened to the radio play and stuff and, and just going through it, it, there's a lot of stuff in the book that has quite honestly been done to death by other science fiction. But you just you look at it and you're like, oh, no, this is this is like the start. This was this was the, the beginning, the genesis of a lot of these ideas. So um, I'm still confounded by the fact that he got lasers like so freaking right. Like well, he even talks about like the chemical composition. I think he talks about argon or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does t- discuss argon uh, because there was more argon in Mars's atmosphere. Yeah. And yeah so, yeah, it, it was it was pretty cool though. At this point, too, like the, he, I think he chose Mars because the um, the astronomers at that point they had seen the <laughs> they saw the canales on Mars, mm-hmm. um, but that. It, Italian canales means channels, not canals, but it was a mistranslation. Yep. Mm-hmm. But that took fire in the media. And so I wrote, like, even to this day, people are like, oh, there's canals on Mars. Well, no. <laughs> but, and they, they based a lot of their science. Like, they, they were serious about, okay, this is how life would form on Mars because they had the canals and they're, like, distributing water and it's probably they had all that figured out and this is the science that he was basing his book off of at that point so it, it's really neat to know the history or something like that so i may have mentioned this on this show before but have you guys watched the documentary series prophets of science fiction no it's um i just looked it up it's an eight-part series and hg wells is one of the episodes but they're basically talking about how these classic sci-fi authors and even more modern ones like George Lucas um, kind of foreshadowed a lot of the things that happen today. And um, it's, it, it was really interesting if anyone's interested in like delving into the different classic sci-fi folks to see. Where did you see this? Be like, oh, be, you know, doing this science 200 years. Kind of neat. What, what is this on? Where was uh, it's called Prophets of Science Fiction. I saw it on Netflix years ago, but um, yeah, it looks I like it's screening through it different too. things. It's been a while. Yeah, they've got like Mary Shelley, um, George Lucas, Isaac Asimov, Jules Verne. So how, you know, they foreshadowed the submarine or the, like you said, the lasers and teleportation. Not not that we have that yet, but like, you know, how that right, could be yeah. the next big thing. <laughs> So, Prophets of science. I'm gonna I'm have really to. I'm gonna have to find this thing. Um, I was. Just, I was literally just thinking as you were talking. I was like, the way he wrote this and the way that, you know, he based it on scientific ideas and, and principles of the day, and then you know, foreshadowing. 
very much reminds me of uh, Michael Crichton's writing. Like, yeah. it's very much, oh, well, here's a new idea in science. All right, well, well, let's take this to its logical conclusion. If we can clone animals, well, what would we want to clone? Well, dinosaurs, of course. I mean, so uh, maybe not after watching the movies, though. But, um, yeah, so if you have not read if you have not read War of the Worlds, definitely check it out. You can find it free lots of different places. Um, okay, apparently the ford hood is doing stuff um if y'all heard that in the background um but yeah it's 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 a really good book i i I enjoyed it but like like everyone else has said it's it is very much of its time you know you have to of course get over we have to we have to protect the 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 women and the children because you know that's a thing that happens even though there's some chicks that you know have a gun and like help him out and like are killing people so it's just like all right cool so uh, with that said, is there anything else anyone wants to add to this? I'll give it another shot another yeah, time. The, yeah, I want to another time. I want to read it though. But later. yeah, I want the book yeah, in hand. You gotta read it, I think. Gotcha. Um, well, with that, I guess let's go ahead and move on to other things that we're reading. Would anyone like to go first? Sure, I'll go. All right, what you got for us? Uh, so um, I was done. What's our next book? Uh. Ready Player Two. Ready Player Two. So finished that one. Uh, started rereading it, and then I realized that um, Brian Burke, uh, who's a, a big one of the big guys on uh, Sportsnet now, um, he used to be a general manager for the Toronto Maple Leafs, as well as uh, he's been with five different NHL teams. Anyway, he re- released a, a book. Um, it's called Burke's Law. And it's all about his whole career about and going through uh, just his his kind of rules of his life and how he's just lived it and how it was successful for him um, and how you can kind of apply them to um, to your own life, I guess. The the cool thing about him is he pulls no punches. He he doesn't take any bullshit. Uh, he calls it like he sees it and he sticks. The thing I really like though is that he sticks with it. So. If he comes and tells you, uh, like, if, if he says that this is bullshit, he, five years from now, he'll still say, yeah, at that time, I believe that that was bullshit. But if he said, like, if he sees that it's turned over for a different reason, then he'll come to, like, he'll actually say, and these are why I've changed my mind. Or my mind hasn't changed because this is bullshit. Like, he'll, he'll stick with it. So. Uh, I thought that was pretty cool. He's very honest about himself too. Uh, he's he's made mistakes and he's owned up to it, and so it's it's a very honest uh, book, which is kind of cool. So oh, that's good. Uh, Chris, have you been reading anything else? Yeah, I am uh, in the second part of Lord of the Rings: The Two Towers. So right now I'm hanging out with Gollum and Smeagol and Sam and Frodo. <laughs> um, that is a book that I have to read. I don't think I could have ever listened to Lord of the Rings because of the language. Like it's very, a lot of it's poetic and it's, oh, it's, it's meant to sound old and cause he wrote it in the fifties, but still, it, I think it's meant to sound old and times of yore and stuff like that. So I don't think I could have listened to Lord of the Rings, but I'm liking it and it's good. And then I uh, have been listening to Eckhart Tolle, I tried listen, I tried reading his book years ago, but I wasn't ready for for him. Um, but his stuff now is resonating with me more, so I've been listening to snippets of 
of Eckhart Tolle. He's pretty cool. And that's it. <laughs> Interrupted by a dog. Yeah. <laughs> Sean, what have you? What about you? Have you been reading anything else? Um, right now I'm on the fourth book in the the Red Rising trilogy by um, Pierce Brown. In mm-hmm. the fourth book. So I guess he just kept writing after he finished his trilogy. So it's coming up on a six book story arc, but. It's another uh, one of my hit lists. You guys, if you got some spare credits in Audible or something like that, start reading the uh, Red Rising trilogy. It's uh, very well written for a guy that I think this was like his first series. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, narration is great. Uh, took a little getting used to. Um, right off in the first book, I had a hard time with a bit of the accents. But it turns out there was a reason for the accents, and it changes up later on. I don't want to spoil it, but um, great science fiction book. Uh, basically, the human race is broken up into different colors, which are classes as well. Not just like wearing different colors. It's genetic. Um, mm-hmm. we've, we've branched off as a species for good reasons. And anyway, it is... An excellent science fiction saga, and highly recommend it. All right. Uh, yeah, I think I wrote it down last time we talked, and uh, when I have yeah, some extra credits, I may have to tackle two, that one. It, the first few books, I like just couldn't put down. Like, because I, I only usually listen in the car to and from work, but I'd be like heading up to my bedroom and all that, and like listening more. I was like, no, I need to keep listening with this. What are those books? Gotcha. Uh, what about you, Jen? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> no. Just surviving. Just surviving. Gotcha. Oh, uh, <laughs> where you are? Huh? <laughs> Taxes. That's a hard thing to do. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, I've read two things since the last time we talked. Uh, one of them is I'm finally getting back into a position where I can listen to. Stephen King stuff, a little too dark for the time period I was in several months ago. I'm able to do it again. Um, I listened to Desperation. Uh, I'm kind of going into some of his more extended catalog. Um, it's an it, it was an okay book. Definitely not my favorite of of his stories, but um, the the craziness that happens and it definitely ties in with a lot of the other stuff. So. Uh, mo- all, pretty much all of his books tie in one way or the other. So, uh, And then the other book that I read was uh, our book for next month, which is Ready Player Two by Ernest Cline. A um, couple of other people on this show have also read it. Um, uh, yeah. No spoilers. No spoilers. I will not spoil this book for you. Um, because there's going to be, whereas this is kind of a short episode, I have a feeling there's going to be lots to talk about on that one. <laughs> um, so yes, that is our, that is our book for next month. Or, um, uh, I, I guess I should say our January, um, early in, uh, December, uh, the episode may not come out for a couple of weeks after we're recording it. Just kind of, I got to look at the schedule. Uh, but that being said, it's, um, we're recording early just so that uh, whenever the holidays roll around, we don't have to 
you know, we can get together and, and hang out. We don't necessarily have to worry about trying to get a, a book knocked out. So, and plus it gives us plenty of time to, to get the next one read. So I don't think it's as long as the previous book. It certainly didn't seem like it was as long as the first one. Uh, Who narrates? Okay. <laughs> Do what? Who narrates this one? Will Wheaton again. Will Wheaton does, yeah. The, it wasn't Will Wheaton for yes, a one that... Yes, it was. No, yeah. Was it? Yeah. yeah it I was thought Will they Wheaton. re-recorded it with Will Wheaton. The original wasn't. I, maybe maybe the they did, but the only one I've ever heard was with Will Wheaton. Yeah. yeah. yeah Same with us. Will Wheaton. I might be thinking... Yeah. <laughs> <Shut> <laughs> <up>. <laughs> I might have a different book then. One of them got re-recorded with Will Wheaton, but... Uh, I have to look back through my list. See, that's something I've... And, and if we ever get score in AAE, hell, I would like to do an interview with just someone who works at Audible and just be like, you know, tell us about your business and how y'all got started and everything else. Because yeah. that would be one of those things I'd be like, why do you... Re- I mean, I understand sometimes there's a need, like licensing or whatever, that maybe have to get someone to, to reread it or whatever. But in some cases, it seems like the book comes out and just a couple of years later, they get someone else to reread it. And it's just like, yeah. why, why do y'all do that? And so well, anyway, go to audible and their corporate department. Yeah, know. maybe. Yeah. I probably should contact them. Just be like, of course, well, right now I'm just like, let's just get through the rest of the year. I just, we should plug I, reporter. I should I'd still like to do that too. I know Jennifer's, you know, had, had said something other on Twitter or whatever, but didn't hear anything back. <laughs> so, no. Oh, did you? Ignored me. Oh, he, me. he likes my stuff. But they didn't block you. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, well, that is our show for the month, ladies and gentlemen. If you would, please give us a five-star rating on iTunes, Google, uh, Stitcher, wherever it is you listen to the show. You can also check out the other shows, the Epically Geeky Show, Sustainably Geeky, uh, Creatively Geeky, Procrastinators. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, check out all the different shows. Uh Christmas break is coming up for most of us here. So, you know, if you're getting a little behind, it's a good time to get caught up on podcasts and, and books that you've been reading uh, or haven't gotten to read yet. So um, you can always find us at epiclygeeky.com and, of course, all the social networks at epiclygeeky. Where can we find you online, Jennifer? Um, here on most of the shows you mentioned, and oh, I host Sustainably Geeky and um, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Het's Gonna Be Me. Uh, Ray, where can we find you online? The Reluctant Yeti uh, on Instagram um, and on Twitter, but I, you know, I, I'm not really on Twitter because it's a cesspool. So <laughs> <laughs> yes, You're it is. Wrong. <laughs> uh, what about you, Chris? Uh, on most of the shows that you mentioned, except for Procrastinators, um, I'm also on Sustainable Geeky with Jen, and on Instagram at uh, Rose and Hummingbird is my shop one and it's public. So you probably have a better shot following me there. Nice. What about you, Sean? Oh, usually hacking into Jen's computer and moving her cursor around when she's not expecting. <laughs> you? Yeah. And freezing her camera too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I noticed that. Always I with a that. really goofy smile too. That, oh, yes. There. <laughs> <laughs> Don't call down the thunder. And as always, you can follow my individual wacky adventure online at Optimus Gene on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For everyone on the site, have a good night.
This has been a presentation of the Epically Geeky Network.